Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday. April 11th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for a Tuesday morning episode. Today, I have an interview with author Colleen Oakley, where we discuss her latest novel, The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise, which is an utter delight from start to finish. It came out a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't read it, I so highly recommend that you pick it up as soon as possible. So, without any further ado, let's get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro Podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am very excited to welcome Colleen Oakley back to Book Bistro. Today we are discussing her upcoming novel, The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise. This is releasing here in the U.S. on March 28th. Colleen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Can we start with a brief introduction to Tanner and Louise for listeners who may not have seen the publisher blurb? Absolutely. So Tanner and Louise is about 84-year-old Louise who has suffered a hip injury and her children are insisting that she gets at-home help around the house, somebody to live in and take care of her. And that comes in the form of 21-year-old college dropout Tanner, who would really rather be doing anything than living with, in her eyes, this geriatric woman and taking care of her, but her options are limited. So the two start out, you know, happily ignoring each other until Louise bursts into Tanner's room one night at 1 a.m., holding a bag full of cash and insisting that they leave town immediately. And that sparks a cross-country road trip where the two women are trying to outrun the big mistakes of their past and the police. So I first fell in love with this when I saw it um, like several months ago when I first saw the, the blurb. And then it was pitched to me for an interview. And I was just like, oh my gosh, yes, like this. This is everything. I love road trip books. I love the whole sort of unlikely ally thing where, you know, they aren't quite 
friends. You know, they don't really know if they can trust each other. So this, I thought, was just the perfect book. Um, I read it last weekend, and it was indeed the perfect book. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And you have an excellent, excellent audiobook narrator, which made me ever so happy. Yes, yes. Huber. Let's give her a huge shout out. I she yes. I got to listen to I think five or six auditions, and of course everybody was great, but Hillary blew me away. And I'm so glad to hear from you that you liked her too, because I just thought she was phenomenal. Yes, I have loved her for a long time. Just she has such a wide array of genres that she narrates. And everything she does just feels like so authentic and excellent. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely got a real, a real skill and talent to what she does. So I have to ask you kind of, you know, what is probably a basic question for you? And I I sometimes try to avoid those, but they're also sometimes necessary. And this one is what sort of prompted you to tell this story? How did you know that this was the next story that you needed to tell? Yeah, it's actually a great question because I have, I think, what is a super fun answer for it, um, which is that my grandmother, you know, I was very, very close to my grandmother uh, growing up. And then my adult life, we just got even closer. We had a really strong bond and we talked often. We took road trips together. We bonded over books. Like we just had a really great relationship. She was very sharp and witty and pragmatic and just like everything that you could want in a grandmother. Um, And about four or five years before she passed, she died at the age of 92 um, back in 2020. She was diagnosed with late onset Parkinson's disease, which is a really difficult uh, condition. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough. And, um, but, but what makes it even harder is the concoction of medication that they put you on uh, to kind of combat the symptoms of Parkinson's really kind of creates these hallucinations and very vivid dreams Mm -hmm. makes the person with Parkinson's, you know, it's hard to tell kind of reality from, from fiction. Um, And so, yeah, if you add, it sounds like you might have some experience with this. So um, for my grandmother, you know, our phone conversation started to get quite interesting because of the <laughs> that she started to believe. And, you know, for instance, one time when I asked her how her week was, she said, oh, wonderful. I took the greatest submarine tour. And I thought, uh, oh, I um, don't think you did, but right, okay. Right. And then another time she said to me, Colleen, did you send that check for $10,000 to New Jersey? And I said, no, you know, what check and what for? And she said, <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Today. Yeah. She said, well, to pay my gambling debts. And I, here. Yeah. So it got to be quite alarming, quite outrageous. And, you know, in turn, she was saying all of these things to, to different family members. And so it actually helped us really deal with our grief because we got to laugh at some of these outrageous things and things that she would have absolutely laughed at and thought were hilarious. Um, But then my novelist wheels, of course, and my brain started turning. And I thought, what if my grandmother, who lived kind of this wonderful life in her own right, what if she actually Mm -hmm. lived this other secret life that was starting to come out? (laughs) Yes. Right. And so that's when really the character of Louise was born. And that was kind of the nugget that started this whole adventure of Tanner and Louise. 
I love that. I do not have personal relationship or personal um, insight into Parkinson's, but I do know a lot about medications and the ways in which, you know, they can treat the things that they're supposed to treat. But while doing so, they could create all kinds of other other effects that are sometimes I feel, you know, worse in some ways than the things that we take them for. Yeah, exactly. That was a lot of the battle with my grandmother. You know, she, she was like, do I want to stop the tremors so much that I want to deal with, you know, some of the medications gave her nightmares. And so there was a lot mm-hmm. of weighing out the pros and cons of the, the different medications that she would try out. I also believe that grandmothers, at least, you know, a certain amount of them are just some of the best people alive. Um, I too have, have grown up with a very, very close relationship to both of my grandmothers um, in very different ways, but they have remained a really big um, and influential part of my life. And reading about Louise in a lot of ways kind of reminded me, you know, in not like the like the meat of the story, but just sort of the the character and her wanting to live life on her own terms mm-hmm. did in a lot of ways remind me of my grandmother on my dad's side who I lost last summer. And it was just like a, a nice sort of thing to see somebody that, you know, was a fictional character, but that embodied sort of so much of like what she, what she stood for and the way that she wanted to, to live her life. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think so many people in their 80s and 90s, you know, really have so much life in them and so much, um, you know, wisdom that they can give us advice, you know, so much lived experience. And unfortunately, in our society, I don't think we revere older people like we almost tend to discard them or ignore them. And so that was yes. part, of, part of what I wanted to do too. And I love, I mean, it's the biggest compliment that it reminded you of your own grandparents because how lucky are we to have such great people in our yes. lives? Yes. And, you know, I am just so lucky that being a woman, you know, in my early forties that I still have one of my grandmothers and that for all intents and purposes, you know, she's relatively healthy. Um, she has, wonderful. you know, some things that limit her, but you know, for the most part, she is, is doing well, you know, still lives on her own and um, still drives a little. Um, Now I'm just hoping that, you know, we don't find out that she has some like super secret, you know, scary life that she's been. (laughs) You never know. You never know. But, but to your point, that's great because, you know, I think you're of the age now I'm in my forties too, where we can appreciate these relationships, right? Like yes. if you your grandmother, when you're in your teens or your twenties, you, you don't, you haven't lived long enough to appreciate, you know, their age and experience and wisdom. It's and true. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I'm lucky, you know, in a lot of ways because my mom was a teen mom, which means that my grandma on, on my mom's side was a grandma when she was 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I have some memories of my grandmother, you know, being like pretty much the age I am now, That's which amazing. is like super weird to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine being a grandmother? <laughs> nope. I'm not even a mother. I'm only a cat mom. <laughs> and I don't have any grand kittens. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a weird thing to think that like, you know, I'll be 43 in the summer and just thinking like, okay, you know, when she was my age, 
like she'd already been a a grandmother for, you know, a a few years now. Wow. That's incredible. That's really incredible. So where did the character of Tanner come from? I mean, she was just like such a perfect counterpoint to Louise. Thank you. Yeah. And that's really kind of how she grew and blossomed because I needed a counterpoint to Louise. I I knew I was going to do the age difference. I loved that. But then, you know, making her more of like the rule follower and kind of flipping that on its head. um, Yes. You know, so that's really kind of how she grew is because each thing I just wanted her to battle against Louise, right? To have them uh, be head to head with so many different things in their lives. And then, you know, partly it was, um, of course, I had to go back into my own memory of being 2021, trying to figure out my place in the world. And I really relied on some of that and and giving those aspects to Tanner because she's really trying to figure out who she is and what she wants and what life is going to be about now that that everything that she thought it was going to be has kind of ended for her. Yes. And I also was just really drawn into kind of the bits of like conversations and interviews that were interspersed through the book where we could see kind of the effects of Louise and Tanner's, you know, leaving on the people like in their families. And even though it wasn't a huge part of the book, it kind of gave some insight into like who, who was back home, like wondering what had happened. Exactly. Exactly. And part of that was for comic relief. It was really fun to just write those scenes. And part of it was to add to you know, little nuggets and hints to the mystery because you can't, I couldn't be in Louise's head for the book because you don't want to give away too much about who she is and what she's doing. Right. Right. So I had to be able to drop hints and, and draw out the mystery in other ways. So how was that for you to kind of like, you kind of knew, I'm guessing where you wanted this to go. Was it hard for you to figure out kind of which hints you wanted to drop so that it didn't necessarily give it away, but then once everything was revealed, you're like, oh, of course. Yes. That is a very hard part for me because I don't outline. And so sometimes things would happen and I go, oh yeah, this is a really good twist. And then I would have to go back to drop the sense because I hadn't dropped Oh. <laughs> well, I guess that's kind of a good way to do it because then you already know like what the thing is. Right. Like, you know the twist now. So then you can say, okay, like what can I do to sort of allude to this without actually, you know, spoiling it. Exactly. Exactly. So we last talked um, right around the publication date of The Invisible Husband of Frick Island, which is another book of yours that I inhaled. And it it just had such a, a different feel from this one. And yet, if you you know, read them both, you can kind of see like some of the themes mm-hmm. feel very, very similar and kind of connected in a way. Is that a thing that you intend to do with the stories you tell or does it sort of happen depending on like each book, you know, in and of itself? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of both. That's a hard question to answer for, for me, particularly I, each book I want to do something completely different just to keep it interesting for me and challenging and, um, that's fair. Yeah. And exciting. But then I think 
you know, I'm always exploring maybe the same themes. Like I've heard there's that famous quote that like an author actually is just writing the same book over and over for their entire career because we're trying to figure out, you know, what's important to us in life or explore what the things that interest us. And so for me, I think I'm always kind of exploring grief and what makes a life worth living, which to me, the answer is always love and family and community. Um, And I'm trying to do that in a way that's entertaining, right? So I want all of my books to be fun and funny and escapist, but also feel like there's kind of this deeper emotional resonance. Which I hope is that, that a I- hard is that a hard balance to strike, like where you're trying to incorporate both feelings into a single story? Like, is it hard not to get too sort of bogged down in the heavy, or too sort of like up in the air with sort of the the lighter aspects? Yeah, it really is. And just for exactly what you said, you know, you don't want to you can veer too saccharine or too sappy and you got to pull back from that, you know? So sometimes I'll allow myself to write scenes that are very cliche or very sappy. And then I pull way back in the edit. Um, (laughs) And same, same with the, you know, if you go too campy or quirky, then you kind of lose that deep uh, emotional tie. So it's, it's the same, right. On it's a, it's a fine line to walk. Yes. I think, I think it must be, um, as someone who, you know, has a bunch of ideas in my head for things that I want to write and, you know, write a bit now and again, um, I I could see that that would be a difficult thing if you're trying to do, you know, two sort of opposite feelings in right. in a single story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something I've really done my whole career. And you think that I'd be a lot better at it <laughs> for stressed stage, but I'm not. It's still something that I continuously work on. Well, I think it's a, you know, depending upon each story that you choose to tell, I think like each set of circumstances, I guess, would involve the challenge in sort of a different way, like the same challenge, but how do you incorporate both? the lighter and the heavier into this particular story. Yeah, that's a great point too. And into the characters too, right? Who are all very, very different and have different senses and different things going on in their lives. That's very true. When you're creating your characters, do you ever think like, oh, you know, I don't know if I should write this because maybe this character is too similar to someone I've written before? Um. You know, I don't know that I've had that experience, but again, it's because I try so hard to make it different. Um, So, you know, maybe in the initial thinking about things, like I will veer into something that I've done before and I go, oh, nope, I got to push that, you know, farther. I got to, I got to go in a different direction to make sure that I'm not repeating something I've done before which is always a challenge. And I think the more books that you write probably becomes more challenging, right? Yes. I remember talking to an author who told me that one of the things she did was to journal from the perspective of her main character to like get into their heads and really make sure, you know, that they don't have the same like character voice as someone else. And I just thought that was such a clever, a clever thing to like actually get to know your character on that level and actually say like no actually you know this like I don't feel like this is how this person would sound I think you know maybe it's more something else 
Yeah. I love that. That's really smart. I might have to steal that idea. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yes. I love all the little bits of information that people give, you know, as they talk about their process and the things that challenge them or the things that they feel like they've gotten better at over the years. I yeah. feel like we learn so much about that whole craft and like what it takes to actually put a book out into the world. Yeah. It is always so fascinating me, all the different author processes and, you know, you just have to do really what works for you, which is also it's true. Hard to figure out what works for you sometimes. Do you ever find that something works for you in one book? And then when you go to write the next one, like the same, um, the same process or the same like sequence of the process don't end up working the same way. Yeah, I do. And, you know, my process mostly remains the same. You know, I'm a pantser and I go scene by scene and I don't really jump around. But for some books that are super heavily, um, I don't want to say detailed, but have like a timeline that you really have to stick to, you know, like this book, it was a pretty tight timeline. And so right. I find myself as I was going outlining chapters, which I never really have done before, but mostly because, you know, they're on a road trip. So it was like outlining the map of, okay, in this many hours, this is where they'll be. And this is how long it takes to drive from here to here. And so that is something I had not done before, but it felt like outlining, you know, four or five chapters at a time, because I had to figure out where they would be and when. Right. And because you set this in like contemporary time, it's a lot harder to, you know, stay missing Yes, for a long period of time. Like I get the impression that it had to be kind of a tight timeline in order for them to like remain ahead of exactly. people who were looking for them. Yeah. You can't just go missing this day and age, especially when you have family back home looking for you, when you have police looking for you, you know, it's, yes. it's very difficult to disappear. <laughs> So we are recording this just a few days ahead of publication, and I'm curious to know what readers can expect next from you. Oh, goodness. So I am about 60,000 words into my next book. Um, I'm not at a place really where I can say too much about it yet, but I can share the title if you would like to know the title. <laughs> well, certainly titles are always good things to know. Yeah, it's called Jane and Dan at the End of the World. <laughs> oh, are we going to have the apocalypse? <laughs> Something like it, maybe. <laughs> of course, with my darkly funny comedic bent, hopefully. I, you know, I, I have mentioned before that during COVID, I became strangely and perhaps unhealthily fascinated by apocalyptic novels <laughs> and even now like as COVID is is easing I still find myself looking for those sort of you know how how would people survive mm -hmm. if society is crumbling and you know everything that we knew is is different like how what what pushes people onward yeah um so anything that even sort of slightly veers in that direction is a thing that I, you know, would, would have to, uh, would have to dive into. Well, yay. Well, you'll be one of the first to get it when I'm done. How about that? <laughs> yes, I, I will definitely be keeping an eye out for it. Um, 
you know, when, when it is ready to be devoured by your, your adoring public. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) So what have you read recently that you want the world to fall in love with? Yeah. So the book that I can't stop recommending to people, and I read this book in one night, it was so good. Um, It's called The Woman with the Cure by Lynn Cullen. Have you read that? I have not, but my partner actually like just finished it earlier this week. So it is one that I will definitely be moving toward the top of my, my TBR pile. Okay, good. You really should. It's historical fiction and I typically don't blow through those, but it's just written in such a compelling way about this woman who is really one of the faces behind the race for the cure for the polio vaccine, which we were never taught about in our history books. You know, I love it's true. I love stories about women in history that have really kind of gotten the shaft that we never hear about. And this one was done excellently. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad that there are authors out there now who are sort of peeling back the veil and showing us sort of all of the things from marginalized populations that we that we just don't know absolutely it's it's and there's so many authors who are doing it uh you know so greatly and I'm here for all of those books (laughs) yes yes I'm always happy when I see you know when I'm looking ahead at like what's coming out I'm always glad to see when there's you know something like that um being published I just read um Strangers in the Night by Heather Webb which is not necessarily yes it was so good it's not necessarily like uh an unknown woman in history Mm -hmm. but I loved sort of getting that like almost inside look at Ava Gardner who's somebody that I just don't know you know a ton about yeah, that looks so good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it because I'm going to dive into that one soon. Yes, it was very, um, just very worth reading. Um, I was actually surprised I was able to get it really quickly from my public library. I expected to have a hold, you know, that was pretty long. Um, yeah, because that one's but gotten it came, a lot of buzz too. Yes, and it just came out. Yeah. Like literally like this week. And I think it came in for me like on Wednesday and I read it and I finished it yesterday morning and it was just, just an incredible book. Oh, good. Well, you, you've made me want to dive into that one next. I might do that. <laughs> I might put that. Yes, do. Um, if you do the audio, the, the audio narration is excellent. Okay, good. I don't know if you're like an audiobook reader just in general, but if you are, I would, I would highly recommend it that way. Yeah, you know, I'm not usually, but going, I'm about to leave on this book tour. And so I'm going to have a lot of hours in the car and on the plane. And I will definitely get into my audiobooks there. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, so you're doing some in person um, touring. Are you doing any virtual stuff yeah. as well? Or are um, you just doing in person this time? Yeah, not too much virtual. I think it's, I think all of them are in person for the most part, which is great. It's so fun to be back and be able to connect with readers and, feel a little bit back to normal life. <laughs> it's exciting. The thing that makes me sad about that now is that the access to, you know, like we could, I could attend yeah. book signings, yeah. you know, for people that like didn't come to my part of the country. Right. And now as things become, you know, more in person, um, you see kind of less and less of that happening. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Mm. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, especially so close to your publication, to chat with me today and to let listeners, you know, kind of get an update on what you've been working on and just to talk about this amazing, amazing book. Well, it is always a joy to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. Can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Yeah, absolutely. If you come on Instagram, I'm at writer Colleen Oakley. And on Facebook, it's just Colleen Oakley. And I'm posting all my tour stuff and all the updates to the book and all the fun things. So come join the party. I have to ask you on your Instagram, do you describe your Instagram photos? You know what? I don't. And I need to start doing that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. You're welcome. Um, the alt text works really well or okay. just um, putting it in the caption, just, you know, image description. This is a photo of X. Um, I see so many photos that just say like, you know, Facebook, for example, has AI that tries to describe photos uh-huh. and it will say something to me like image may contain tree and outdoors. Oh my God. And I'm like, um, Okay, so did someone actually take a picture of a tree or is the tree the only like discernible thing in the photo? Um, and so for people who, who cannot who cannot see photos or who have disabilities that make interpreting photos difficult, um, right. image descriptions are a super helpful tool in this like very you know, photo-driven um, social media world. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry that I haven't done it before now. Uh, well, the more people who learn about it and decide to do it, I think the more accessible social media becomes. Yep. And so over the past, I don't know, about year, maybe year and a half, I've started asking authors when they talk about having Instagram, like, hey, you know, how how accessible is your Instagram yeah. And I think it's been about even like the number of people who say, you know, that they've been describing photos, like they've seen others do it. And so they started to do it. And then people who say, you know, I never really like thought about, you know, why people do that or like why it's helpful. Yeah. No, I think that's great that you are bringing that to everybody's attention. That's wonderful. Once again, this has been a discussion with author Colleen Oakley about her novel, The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise, which is releasing here in the U.S. on March 28th. Hopefully you will all pick it up and love it. All right, so it's a big book release day for many of us here on Book Bistro. And I'm excited to tell you about some of the things that we are looking forward to today. So as always, I'm going to start with some books you've heard us mention before. And these are books from our most anticipated releases of April episode. I'm starting with a book that I mentioned on that episode, and that is Life and Other Love Songs by Anissa Gray. I loved her first novel, The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls, and I am sure I will love this one just as much. Natalia is looking forward to The Cuban Heiress by Chanel Clayton, 
And My Heart Will Find You by Jude Devereaux. Note, if you love Jude Devereaux, as so many of us do here, pay attention to Friday's episode where we do a deep dive into her contributions to the romance genre and just why we love her. Brooke is looking forward to the latest young adult thriller from Kelly Armstrong. That is, someone is always watching. And Kristen is looking forward to If Only You, Bergman Brothers, book six by Chloe Lise, and Lassiter, which is the 21st, count them, 21 (laughs) installment in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward. So those are some books that you've heard us mention before. And now I have some things to talk about that we haven't mentioned. So first up, there is a new Yasmin Gallinorn book out this week. It came out on Monday, April 10th. It is called Shattered Spells. It is the Night Queen book two. Um, This is the sequel to last year's Tattered Thorns. Um, This is a spinoff of her Wild Hunt series. So especially if you have read Wild Hunt and you kind of want to see what's happening now, you might want to check this series out. Um, But even if you haven't read Wild Hunt, um, I've heard, it's hard for me to say because I have read it, Um, but people have said that they've started with Tattered Thorns and then that sort of led them into the Wild Hunt series. So it's up to you how you choose to do that. But Shattered Spells, Night Queen, book two by Yasmin Galladorn is out in the world. Sticking with the fantasy genre for a minute, I am very excited that Master of Souls, this is Kingdom of Souls, book three by Rena Barron, is finally out. This is dark, African-infused young adult fantasy. I read the first book a couple of years ago for an episode um, that we were doing, and it totally captivated me from start to finish. I will say um, when it's classified as dark fantasy, take that seriously. It is pretty dark, but also pretty excellent. Um, So I am so glad that the third book is out. This is Master of Souls, Kingdom of Souls, book three by Rena Barron. I'm moving on now to romance, and we have to talk about The Seaside Library by Brenda Novak. We've talked about her on Book Bistro before. She does so many things so, so well. Um, This is her kind of romance slash women's fiction release. Um, She's done a bunch of romantic suspense, some like small town romances, some standalone romances. And lately, she's been kind of walking that line between romance and women's fiction. But all of her books make me so happy. And she's lately been focusing a lot on libraries and bookstores. So that is a great thing. And if you love her, definitely check this out. It is The Seaside Library by Brenda Novak. We also have a new Abby Jimenez book. This is Yours Truly. It's Part of Your World, book two. And this is an author that I have been wanting to read for quite a while. Um, She wrote the Happily Ever After playlist or the Happy Ever After playlist, something like that, a few years ago. And 
ever since then, I've heard so many good things about her work. And it seems like with each release she puts out, people just flock to it. And I need to join that club. So this is Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez. And it is the second book in her Part of Your World series. If you like sports romances and you enjoy hockey, you might want to pick up um, Superstar, which is Rookie Rebels, book seven by Kate Meter. Um, Stacy has talked about Kate Meter before. I know that Man Down is a book that she really, really likes. And I think Natalia is also a Meter fan. So if you're looking for something like that, you want like sports with some romance, definitely pick her up. This one is Superstar. Rookie Rebels, Book 7, by Kate Meter. Alexis Hall has a new book out. This is Something Spectacular. It is Something Fabulous, Book 2. I believe these are historical romances. Um, the only historical that I've read by Hall is A Lady for a Duke, which was marvelous in every possible way. But I'm keeping an eye out because I've heard so many good things about this series. And I know Sarah talked about reading something fabulous, um, which is the first book, last year and really loved it. So this is one that I will be checking out and then picking up the sequel, which is Something Spectacular, Something Fabulous, book two by Alexis Hall. And I have another historical for you. This is To Swoon and to Spar, Regency Vows, book four by Martha Waters. Um, I am on hold for another book in this series at my public library. It is To Love and to Loathe, which I think is a great title, um, an enemies to lovers trope. But I've, again, heard a lot of great things about her work. And if you're looking for some fun, historical romance, spicy, of course, with the witty banter, definitely check out Martha Waters. This one is To, to Swoon and to Spar, Regency Vows, book four by Martha Waters. All right. I want to round up today with a few mysteries. Um, we have The Sharp Edge of Silence by Cameron Kelly Rosenblum. This is another thing I'm on hold for at my public library, and hopefully the hold list won't be too long. Um, I didn't look at the position, which is a, a major fail on my part because I almost always check my hold positions. But this takes place at an elite boarding school. Yay, my catnip. And we have sexual assault here. And how far People will go to keep this under wraps. It is The Sharp Edge of Silence, and it's by Cameron Kelly Rosenblum. I also want to mention The Only Survivors by Megan Miranda. This is an author that I first heard of um, when she wrote a book, I want to say in like 2017, and part of it was written in reverse order, which as some of you may know, is a thing I absolutely cannot stand. So I didn't read that one. But I have read other books by her, and I do like her style quite a bit. She has written some speculative YA fiction and some domestic suspense. This one looks like it is going to be firmly in the domestic suspense camp. So this is The Only Survivors by Megan Miranda.
And last up this week, I have to mention Dark Angel. This is Letty Davenport, book two by John Stanford. I started reading John Sanford in like 2004, back when I was living in Texas, and I got Mind Prey from the public library on commercial audio and just like fell in love with this series. I must admit that I haven't picked up a Stanford book in quite a while. Um, there are so many books in his Lucas Davenport series, and I always pay attention when a new one has come out, but I just haven't haven't read one in a while. But Letty is Lucas's daughter, and she is now grown up, and she has a career of her own. We met her last year um, when Sanford wrote the first book in this series, and we are now continuing to follow her adventures. So this one is Dark Angel. It's Letty Davenport, book two by John Sanford. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope all of you are doing well. If Easter is something that you celebrate, I hope you had a fantastic holiday. And if not, then I hope the, your spring is turning out to be peaceful. Um, we are getting ready. My partner is getting ready to put a garden in in the next little while. So that is what's happening on our end spring-wise. But whatever's going on for you, I hope everyone is safe and well, and of course, well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.